Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey everybody, Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for listening and happy hump day. So we have made it to hump day. Time for a little hump day bloggerama action. This is a weekly show where I talk about cool stuff I spotted on RPG blogs over the week. And I talk about them here on the podcast, and then I put up all the links that I discuss over on the Thought Eater blog. Easiest way to get there is just Google Thought Eater blog, or you can go to frothsoft, frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. Check it out. Huge show to get to, so I'm not going to do too much of an intro. Big show. Um, First, we're going to get to some call-ins, though, about uh, a couple topics from the last couple weeks. First, uh, Rich Frazier from Cockatrice Nuggets is calling in, talking about uh, game prep from a couple weeks ago. And then I've got calls from James Richards and Colin Green from Spike Pit um, discussing alignment, which was the final topic last week. So let's listen to those. I'll be back in just a second. Hey, Froth. It's Rich. Just wanted to jump in and talk about prep. So how much time do I spend prepping? Very little. Um, So if I'm running a published adventure... Uh, say Curse of Strahd or Silent Titans are the two that pop into my head. Uh, I say I read um, a chapter every time I prep, right? So for Strahd, it would take um, maybe an hour and a half to get through a chapter. Those chapters were long and dense. Uh, so that would get me to, through like six sessions as well. So maybe, you know, 15 minutes to a half hour. Now, Silent Titans, these are really light and fluffy. So uh, I read tear through them. Uh, so I, I'm saying maybe 15 minutes, you know, a half hour max, and that'll get me through three or six sessions. Um, any other time, if I'm prepping my own material, I, I like the lonely fun, so I get way into it. So I'll start to prep two or three things, and then I'll just go overboard and prep 40. But then I don't have to worry about it if I don't have time to prep next week. Take it easy. Hey, Froth, James Richards here. Just driving around rainy Iowa City, finishing up my favorite part of Wednesday, Hump Day Blogorama. Had me cracking up today. Good stuff. I'm a win in Rome kind of guy. So as a player, I have no attachment one way or the other. I'm there to take part in the DM's uh, version of things. At my own table, my Sunday game. It's going on a couple years now. I've, I just put the kibosh on alignment or defaulted to neutral or chaotic neutral. Uh, They're all rogues as far as I'm concerned and there's always going to be consequences one way or the other if they go to extremes. But uh, I just think it leads to a lot of bickering. Hey Froth, it's Spike Pit here. Yeah, I think alignment's a bit of a waste of time in my opinion. If you've got players that are interested in playing it, all well and good. But my face-to-face group, they just don't seem up for it. So I'm not going to stress over it. As a player, I'm fine with it. I like to play a bit more of a nuanced character. So, you know, I just think about drive and goals and stuff like that. But that's just me. And um, it's fine without it. I, I don't run into problems not having alignment. So if you're having struggles or... Your listeners are having struggles. Feel free, leave it out. I would. I've I've done a lot. Two years in five E with no alignment, been fine. Catch you later, mate. 
Gentlemen, I appreciate you all calling in. Thank you very much. Good stuff from each of you. Uh, Rich, uh, I like how you kind of talked about prepping your own stuff and and prepping just from a published module because uh, I, I do know that if someone's doing their own homebrew world and stuff like that, you know, people talk about having a job you love, how it's not work. You know, it's not really prep if you're really into making your own world and stuff like that and it's fun to you, then who cares? You prep all the time it's like a you know it, it it shifts from work to being fun i guess is what i'm saying so thanks for that james i love what you said about they're all rogues and there's consequences for their action no matter what they want to play with alignment or not i also liked how you said uh, you're a win in rome kind of player that's the best kind of player somebody that goes with the flow and kind of not necessarily conforms but you know does you know respects the D, the gm and uh and their game and how they're going to do it you know and then colin i um i like what you said as well um about it you know not really mattering but you know if you you know and then what you said about having characters where you would want to do it i a friend of mine is moving back to athens and is talking about running a game and so just a whisper of that. It's got me already kind of thinking about a character or whatever. It'll probably be 5e. And so all this talk about alignment had me thinking about playing some just ultra uh, do-good paladin. Because I haven't played. I've, I've seen a 5e paladin at my tables before, but I haven't played one. And I was thinking about, you know, Sir Reginald the Chaste. And just the kind of guy that, uh, you know, suggests people you know, practice good hygiene and just, you know, annoyingly lawful good and stuff. And, uh, so, you know, I can see the fun in it too. And, you know, at my tables, I, I wouldn't want to do completely away with it. It's good to at least have that label on your character for some spells that, you know, protection spells and things like that that come up. But otherwise, you know, like I said, in the previous hump day, it, there's a reason those chaotic good and chaotic neutral, <laughs> alignments are the most popular ones so but anyway i appreciate y'all all for uh, calling in and uh, and thank you for that so we're going to get on with the show now you know what comes first maps all right so let's get rolling with the maps i'm starting over at map of the week.blogspot.com i've talked about this site before i really enjoy this site it's not really rpg related but cool maps and they have a post up this week called Mercury, and it's an image from illustrator Eleanor Lutz uh, that did this map of Mercury that's outstanding. And um, it's got like in different hemispheres in the corners of the map and like a core image. And then it's also got links later in the post to um, images she did of Mars, Venus, and the Moon. And what's cool about these is, like, you know, you could file off the serial number, so to speak, and just take away that little mercury in the corner. And, and you could have four really striking images, uh, several planet images, you know, for your uh, a, a sci-fi game. Um, so, anyway, go check that out. Image, cool map of Mercury, as well as uh, ones of Mars, Venus, and the Moon. Then I'm going over to mega-dungeon.com. This is uh, Billy Longino's blog. They put up a post, Fun House Dungeon of the Lesser Lich. Not much to see here, just a good old-fashioned, you know, Dyson Logos sort of inspired OSR dungeon map. It's kind of like uh, the formula for Coke, you know, 
don't mess with it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So just a cool map. You can just right click, save, and you know, design a little dungeon around. Speaking of Dyson logos, uh, you know, Dyson's known for maps of that kind of style, but Dyson also will sometimes, you know, do different things. Um, uh, isometric maps, um, you know, whatever, tavern maps, all kinds of different things. This this uh, week, Dyson put up Isle of Chaos, which is a fantastic hex map of this island area. Uh, with uh, I really like the coloring that Dyson did on there. Now, this is a super high-res map that you can download. I actually had to resize it just to because Blogger didn't like it. Blogger was like, nah, it's too nice a map. Don't post. But this is one where you could just download it, you know, uh, key the hexes and instant uh, campaign. So awesome, awesome map there from Dyson. Check that out. Isle of Chaos over at DysonLogos.blog. Then a couple other map related things. Uh, Shane Ward, legendary anchorite, does the Gilligan's Isle of ADD podcast. Also, Three Toadstools, number three, threetoadstools.blogspot.com. Put up a cool post mapping tutorials. So sometimes I go on a deep Google dive and find some interesting stuff. And so it's a bunch of links with some good mapping tutorials and techniques. So this is really nice, cool post, something if you're into mapping or learning to map or whatever, you can go here and check out um, all these different links that uh, Shane put together for you. Finally, on the mapping front today, just a little something that I thought was worth talking about over at sageadvice.eu. Sage Advice D&D, it's like a little aggregator site that'll put up D&D tweets and stuff from the you know, official 5e answers and stuff like that. And it was just a post from Zoltar saying, Mapping is a great way to get younger people involved in the hobby. It was a tweet from Sean Merwin talking about how um, Sean's daughter got into the hobby drawing maps for Sean. And it reminded me of how I got my daughter into gaming. I started when she was something, it was three or four, right around that age, somewhere in there. And we just started kind of world building together. And the way we did it is I was rolling on random tables. First, we had this little city kind of map, and we talked about little areas that could be in the city and put those on the map. And then we kind of expanded around the city, rolling the dice, because kids, everybody likes to roll dice. And just seeing what we came up with, and it'd be just a little flavor, and and then she'd decide what was there. And I, so I've got these hex maps, you know, that I'll treasure forever. That were the first kind of gaming things we did together. Um, it's kind of world building and designing. So I do think that this is a great idea because you know there's people I'll sometimes see trying to come up with a game system or what's a good rule, first rule set for a kid, and and gaming with kids and all this. But when they're really young. And it's kind of like, you know, you're not going to be playing by the rules anyway. I think you get, you could maybe get a little bit more out of just mapping and world building and stuff like that and getting them used to the, you know, just, and, and, you know, it reminds me like she didn't need much prompt. She'd come up with stuff on, you know, kids are so creative and imaginative, uh, that, uh, she was just, you know, roll with it. She, it, I couldn't write down what she was saying fast enough, so Anyway, that's what I got for the map stuff today. A few reviews to pop through. I'm starting over at 10footpole.org. This is Bryce, Lynch, Bryce Lynch's celebrated review blog. Talks about Gunderhofen. And I had not heard it. I'm glad Bryce reviewed this or I would have completely missed this. 
New Mega Dungeon by G. Hawkins for Osric. Obviously usable for, with anything. It's uh, 420 pages, 10 levels, numerous sub-levels, almost 1,000 locations. Um, and it gets a pretty good review. It says it's like a B2, you know, keep on the Borderlands-ish inspired sort of uh, Mega Dungeon. So, um, you know, it's not the... Bryce rarely gives a, you know, completely glowing review, but it looks cool to me. I'm going to have to check this out, especially if I can find it in print. So, new Mega Dungeon there, Gunderholfen from G. Hawkins. Check that out. Then over at CannibalHalflingGaming.com, there's a review of the new 5e book, the Acquisitions Incorporated book. This one's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of flying under the radar just a little bit, it seems like, maybe because it's kind of an acquired taste, um, Acquisitions Incorporated, of course, was a like a, a, a live streamed before live streamed almost kind of, you know, starting in fourth edition where Chris Perkins would run these games at conventions and events with uh, uh, with some folks. And, um, you know, I, I only saw like one of the videos, you know, back in the 4E days, so I haven't kept up with it. But um, it, it's, you know, it's maybe not critical role popular, but certainly very popular when, when they play. So for me, it's one, you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to end up getting it at some point, but I'm not, you know, beating down the door of the game shop to, to grab it. Whereas for other people I've seen are, are very enthused about it. The thing that looks good is that it, it's not necessarily, um, you don't have to be super familiar with, uh, the live play kind of deals to, to get something out of it. It looks like there's some mechanics for everybody and that kind of thing. But anyway, I hope I'm not sounding down on it. That's not my intention. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know much about Acquisitions Incorporated is what I guess I'm saying. I remember watching a 4E show. and um, But um, it's a great overview. It is detailed, uh, very detailed, so you'll get a clear idea of what you would be getting. So if you're interested in that new 5E book that's about to drop, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated book, check that out over at CannibalHalflingGaming.com. And finally, Gabor Lux, a.k.a. Milan, over at beyondfummelhout.blogspot.com does a review of Skirple's new adventure, Magical Murder Mansion. Skirple's is, uh, does the Coins and Scrolls blog and uh, kind of a very popular OSR blog. Uh, gets a great review here. This adventure just dropped this week. I think I saw Skirple's mentioning it uh, on Twitter. Uh, gets a good review, four out of five stars. I definitely trust Gabor's opinion too. I've mentioned that before. Does the Beyond Fummelhout zine? I mean, the Echoes from Fummelhout zine, which is one of the best OSR zines out there. And uh, you know, Skirples. I've seen people uh, anytime someone says, "What's a good first level adventure?" Um, Skirples' uh, Tomb of the Serpent Kings is one that you'll see mentioned. So this looks interesting. Like I say, just dropped. So if you want to find out more about the new. Skirple's Adventure Magical Murder Mansion. Go over and check that out at beyondfummelhout.blogspot.com. Com, com. All right, on the retrospective front, um, first I'm starting over at original edition fantasy.blogspot.com. They put up a post called The Origin of the Basic D&D Known World or the Mastara Setting. And this is basically just linking to Blackgate, blackgate.com, an older article that talks in detail about how Mistara came to be. And so it's a really good, really uh, interesting history if you're into the Mistara setting and everything and want to see how it developed. 
I would check that out. So thanks for posting that over at original edition fantasy, um, and Lincoln over there. Um, sorry. And, uh, that's, uh, that's Thomas Denmark's site there. He does a uh, night owl workshop, a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, I've got several of uh, Thomas's game books, uh, kind of hacks and twists on OD and D cool stuff. And over at hobbyinspired.com, hobbyinspired.com, they do a post, a guide to D&D 5e adventures. Um, and so this is not, it's not super, you know, detailed. It's not, doesn't get into too much minutia, but it's a good overview, I think, of all the different, like, published, you know, major campaign, you know, Watsy published uh, adventures so far. So I, I could definitely see this being helpful. If someone's kind of just getting into D and D, you know, five E, or you know, hasn't paid, you know, too much attention, he's not obsessed with it or whatever, so this would be a good, uh, a good um, reference if somebody was trying to decide what book to buy or whatever. And so uh, I thought it was a, a nice overall kind of uh, compilation overview of what's out there. So you can check that out uh, over at hobbyinspired.com, and then. Uh, over at Thule's Paradise, Thule's, T-H-O-U-L-S, Thule's Paradise.blogspot.com, uh, per Dustin, put up a post about time, uh, about, um, uh, my goodness, what is wrong with me today, about Time Master, talking about the Time Corpse and Time Master, and Time Master is a, was a pace setter game, you know, did chill, and um, was, acquired the rights were acquired by goblinoid games publishers of labyrinth lord and so it is one that's uh was out of print but now you can get it and um this is not talking too much about the mechanics from time master which i believe are the same kind of as like a just action table like uh like a crypt world as you know like uh, the original pace pace setter kind of mechanic they used in some of their games kind of similar to what uh uh, Marvel Super TSR's Marvel Superheroes uses, but this is talking more about the setting stuff, how the time corpse works, how time travel works, the basic kind of meta plot of the game. So it's a neat overview if you've ever, you know, remember seeing ads for Time Master or just seeing it around or wondering what the heck it was. This will give you an idea, kind of an overview of, of, um, you know, the basic plot and how the time corpse worked and how time travel kind of worked in the game. So. Anyway, I thought that was interesting to look at. I've never played Time Master, but I'd, uh, that, that'd be one that would be fun to me to play. And I thought it was interesting the way that the, the campaign idea is set up. So go over there to thulesparadise.blogspot.com and check that out. I've been talking about cons, conventions over the last few weeks. Uh, that continues. Uh, I guess it'll be all through the summer. You'll be probably seeing some of these pop up um, first over at tabletopbellhop.com. I've mentioned this site before. Moti does great work over there. Moti was at origins with a uh, press pass and uh, it's talking about Mo's experience over there, the different games, board games and all kinds of stuff that Mo was doing. So go over and check that out. If you want to see some of what uh, was going on at origins and then also uh, at orcpiraten.de O-R-K-P-I-R-A-T-E-N dot D-E. This is, uh, I, I'm not sure if the dot D-E means Denmark, 
probably does. But uh, this person was posting about NordCon. It looks like it's held in Germany. And I just thought, well, I saw this pop up on my blog roll. We're talking about cons, and, and my uh, browser translated it for me. And it looks like these folks are having a killer time out at NordCon doing this uh, LARPish sort of thing, zombie zombie calypse like a zombie apocalypse game so i put up another link to the uh zombie calypse site talking about what they do at nordcon they've got like nerf guns and stuff and do a zombie you know game and um so anyway looks like nordcon was cool so no matter where you are in the world i hope you're having fun at these conventions and i'll just sit here you know getting jealous <laughs> you know I'll just sit here uh, checking out y'all's cool blogs about it. And now, a word from our sponsors. Alright, I'm feeling pretty good about my pace so far. That's how I'd like to keep these things going. We'll see if I can keep it up as we move on to some random tables, though. Starting over at reddicediaries.com, a legendary anchorite, John Allen Large, does the Red Dice Diaries podcast on Anchor, also reddicediaries.com. Put up a post, random thing, things you may find in a sewer. And they mention uh, random thing Thursday being a new thing at their blog. They're going to start trying to put up a new chart or random element every Thursday. Sounds good to me. And they use this Chartopia um, resource that I would mentioned before where you can kind of plug in random elements and then just uh, and, and make these, uh, you know, click where you can click the whatever HTML tools or whatever and uh gosh i know nothing about computers <laughs> programmers or somebody listening to me like yeah froth yeah sure buddy <laughs> but anyway i can just click a button and roll things i find in a sewer so let's see what i get uh, a large bundle of rags and detritus lies against a far wall if examined they find a dog turd <laughs> uh, sounds like our campaigns are pretty similar uh, bobbing up and down in the water, there's a dirty-looking olive-colored glass bottle inside. There's foul-smelling sewer water. All right, so uh, not exactly a Monty Hall campaign. You find a turd and some sewer water. <laughs> so, but, uh, hey, it is a sewer. So the things you find in a sewer, check that out over at reddicediaries.com. Also check out the Red Dice Diaries podcast. Going over to Chris Tam's Elf Maids and Octopi, elfmaidsandoctopi.blogspot.com. Chris put up a post, D100 Wizard School Missions. So, random missions for the students at the old Wizard School. Let's see what we get here. Um, a wizard wants someone to harvest seeds of their carnivorous garden. And what else? Uh... A student's been sharing spells with a rival school. Find out who and report. Can't do that. These are always good. There's a rascally imp loose in a library causing mischief. Needs catching or killing. One more on here. A wizard needs a lover protected from enemy assassins until they can destroy their master. So this is a hundred different like hooks for a wizard school emissions. So unbelievable. Um, you just look through them, read through them. Um, Chris is the master at these, churns them out. Uh, over at Into London, eighteen fourteen blogs dot blogspot dot com. This is a uh, Into the Eye. I, I saw this. Um, I've been following this blog for a while, but I saw this post go up on the OSR Discord and. 
I think they described their setting as it's like London, you know, taboo was a show recently. Uh, it was good. Uh, Tom Hardy was in it. I think season two's on the way. It was, it's like an end to the odd meets um, London slash taboo kind of inspired thing. So this is a table about kind of random um, things going on in the streets and stuff like that. So let's see what we get on here. Sorry, I had to restart. I dropped my phone. <clears throat> a little editing. Seamless editing, huh? Uh, if it was seamless, I wouldn't have said anything. All right, so what did I get? This small house with garden would be lovely if not for the fact that it's covered with spider silk. Rumors go that the monster is big enough to eat humans. Let's see what else I get. This building is carved is carved in a gigantic mushroom. The mushroom doesn't seem to suffer from being carved and is supposedly occupied by a coven of witches. This plain looking house cancels all noises in front of itself. You even cannot hear your heart beating or anything said. A celebrated hotel opened opposite to it. So weird flavor from their uh, London 1814 into the odd campaign. So that sounds cool to you. Go check that out. That's what I got for y'all for random tables today. All right. Everybody knows that free stuff is great for the hobby, right? Right. So some free stuff that I've, Bumped into around the blogosphere this week. First over at 9and30kingdoms.blogspot.com. This is Talisman's blog. I've talked about this blog a few times because Talisman's been putting out these awesome pamphlet dungeons. And they put out another one. Generic Bandit Tower Pamphlet Dungeon PDF. So you can just download this, print and fold it. Talisman's getting really good at these. Um, this one, it's like uh, bandits have taken over the tower and it's kind of got random elements. So you can, you know, the... the uh, the tower won't be the same exact thing twice. Really cool. Go download that. Speaking of printing and folding, Evelyn M. over at shadronchromatique.blogspot.com. Evelyn's done another one of her awesome print and fold zines. This one, Goblin Enchantress Mini Zine. Um, she always does cool stuff, and this is no exception. Great art, and um, uh, one you'll want to print and fold for sure. Then go over to RollSanity.com if you're into Lamentations of the Flame Princess. They just put up a, a horizontal character sheet for it. It looks cool. They mentioned that they like horizontal sheets. Or maybe that they watch too much TV and got used to that format. But if you're into Lamentations of the Flame Princess, want an alternate sheet. It's done in the official style, but it's just done uh, horizontal. And check that out. And again, that was RollSanity.com. Over at BloodAndIronRPG.blogspot.com. They put up a like space hack of uh, fantastic heroes and witchery, free PDF. Uh, it's got classes, some alternate rules, alternate alternate skills and races and stuff like that. So, if uh, fantastic heroes and witchery is your OSR clone of choice, you can check this out, or you could uh, tweak it, use it with any OSR game. Over at crateredland.blogspot.com. Again, there's links to all this stuff over at the Thought Eater blog, so don't try to feel like you have to remember this. Just go over to frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com and download all this stuff. Um, crateredland.blogspot.com. Uh, blasted Cratered Land. Um, they've got up this one page 
Adventure One Page Goblin Plague Barracks. And uh, what I like about this is uh, it's a little one page dungeon, but it's for 5e. So it's got quick and easy little 5e stats. Just a little quick and easy adventure you can slap into your campaign and run it. Again, a free PDF you can download over there. And I think that's Orloff that does that. Uh, that does that um, blog. Alright, Froth, you can do it. One more free thing. Dan over at Throne Assault, throneassault.blogspot.com. They say about two years ago they came up with a setting. What if Planscape, but also Discworld? And I think they call it Discscape. Yeah, Discscape. A little gazetteer to serve as a brief introduction to the Discscape setting for any travelers that might happen upon it. With some commentary from Dr. Malubrius Gallio, wizard and natural philosopher. So this is a, a nice uh, downloadable PDF with tons of locations, random tables, and everything for that uh, for that uh, Planescape Discworld kind of hybrid mashup setting. The Great Discscape. So very cool. So tons of you know, it's like I've mentioned many times. Every week, there's all kinds of cool stuff on the blogs, including you know free PDFs, free downloads, and so lots of good stuff to check out this week. Bunch of cool, just miscellaneous stuff to bounce through. Uh, Monstersandmanuals.blogspot.com. They put up a post. Uh, Historical slang for your edification and amusement. And this is stuff that is taken from... Uh, this was uh, by Noisums, by the way. I uh, did uh, the Yoon Soon book. Uh, and this is historical slang taken from the Pe Penguin Dictionary of Historical Slang. And it's got some great stuff in here, just some random slang that you can give your you know, NPCs or whatever. Or just incorporate into your real life. Like, if you look, talk to me like that one more time, I'm going to cut out your clapper. Because a clapper is a tongue. What are some other good ones? Uh, these are all kind of good. Let's see. Um, uh, she was grinning at the daisy roots, I'm afraid. That means she was dead. She was grinning at the daisy roots. Um, yeah, you know, nah, he's a horn thumb, that one. Don't trust him. A pickpocket. A horn thumb. Anyway, there's all kinds of stuff like this. It's done alphabetically and, uh, when possible, it has a reference to around what year. Um... Yeah, she's, he's a snub devil, straight laced snub devil, a clergyman is a snub devil. Anyway, if that sounds like something up your alley, historical slang for your edification and amusement. Check that out at monstersandmanuals.blogspot.com. Ann Hunter, I mentioned Ann's blog several times over at diyanddragons.blogspot.com. They put up a really cool post, links to occupations. So this is links to a bunch of different occupations that uh, Anne mentions using in their DCC games. So it's uh, medieval era, D uh, Dickens era, weirdo, back, um, weirdo occupations, bunch of links. So if you're looking for occupations, backgrounds, um, you know, you can extrapolate these into different shops and towns and stuff like this. I thought this was a great post collection of links, links to occupations over at DIYandragons.com. DIYandragons.blogspot.com Geeknative.com put up a post, Routinely Itemized, RPGs number one. And this is going to be one uh, that I'll definitely be following this series. It's kind of uh, 
like a news recap of the week. And uh, Geek Native uh, covers all kinds of different games. So it's got RPG news about Vampire the Masquerade, Big Eyes, Small Mouth, uh, SLA Industries, uh, news from around the web. Um, so if you're into more than just OSR, more than just D&D, and like following a bunch of different games, it's got stuff about the new Alien RPG. It's just another, you know, sort of thing I like. Collection of, <laughs> collection of links, a list of collection of links. But it looks like this is going to be a nice news roundup site. Not totally unlike um, Dreams of Mythic Fantasy uh, in that vein, but for all RPGs. So uh, if you're not, if you don't have Geek Native on your uh, blog roll or haven't bookmarked it, might be one to take a look at and at least check out um, when they do these routinely itemized posts. This again was the first one. Andrew Girdwood put this up, and it looks like they're going to do these on Fridays. So if you want to. You know, you're wanting to catch up on the RPG news for the week on Fridays, go over to geeknative.com and check out the routinely itemized posts. Over at Signs in the Wilderness, signsinthewilderness.blogspot.com, uh, this blog usually comes up with their excellent random tables, uh, and they've still got one of the best bylines in blog history, a 1700s post-apocalyptic hopeful frontier fantasy setting for role-playing games. I love that. Uh, but this time, instead of random tables, they've um, got a collection of links here. The post is called Travel Through the Wilderness References. It says, looking for sources to run a wilderness game? Here are some great blog posts I've been reading lately. Some are better authors than me. Hey, high praise, because I, I love uh, this person's stuff. And it says they're full of procedure and inspiration for wilderness adventures. So it's got stuff for hex crawls. Um, it's got stuff for random tables. Um river crossings, um, overland travel in the wilderness, just a bunch of good stuff. So if you're, uh, you know, want to go and, and check out some of these, it looks like, uh, you know, maybe six or seven different, different links that can give you some ideas about wilderness travel. And it's always good to see different perspectives and maybe find out a new trick, you know? Um, so go over and check that out. Great post at signsinthewilderness.blogspot.com. Again, just the sort of thing I like lists of links, and finally, on uh, the miscellaneous stuff, I thought I'd end with this. I think it's funny. At myosr.blogspot.com. I think I mentioned this before weeks ago. They occasionally do these Monster Manual haiku posts. And they've got one, uh, a new one up here. It looks like Batch 5. So you can catch up on some of these if you go over and check out their blog. Let me see if they've got their name up. Yeah, Alex Semicognito. And uh, so one is the Gelatinous Cube. 10 by 10 by 10. Jello mold is this hallway. The fruit chunks are you. <laughs> uh, how about this one? Hobgoblins. Orange-faced and blue-nosed. Why the samurai armor? Random shit, Gary. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Monster Manual haikus, uh, I think that's brilliant and fun. So, just uh, something to check out over at myosr.blogspot.com. And now, the final topic. All right, so the final topic today, I'm talking about a post posted over at bxblackrazor.blogspot.com. JBA over there put up a post, For the Love of God. It says, For the Love of God, please, please stop using ability checks. Ability checks are nothing but sheer effing laziness, whether we're talking roll under or roll versus target with the ability bonuses. 
Just stop it. Stop it, please. Stop mistaking characters for something other than the player who's playing the character. Just stop. If I'm playing a character with a high intelligence score, that doesn't make him a genius. If he has a low intelligence score, that doesn't make him an imbecile. And it goes on about all the ability scores. Not just intelligence or charisma, but strength, dexterity, etc. So, you know, I like to see different people's perspectives and everything. Um, and uh, this has been floating around the blogosphere a little bit over the last couple of days. There have been uh, some people agreeing, some people disagreeing and everything. I personally disagree, but, um, you know, it, it was making me think about um, how Rob C. was was talking. Rob C., legendary Anchorite podcasting here on Anchor over at the Down in the Heat podcast. Uh, Rob was talking about this game, Rob's design, kind of doing uh, podcasts about it and was going to get rid of charisma and intelligence and uh, wisdom and and make it more just, you know, player skill, you know, rather than, because I can see how maybe someone feels hamstrung a little bit by their scores or whatever, you know, um, you know, I, I get that. But for me, I like the ability scores because, uh, without them, you know, if, if everybody's just going by player skill, you might never have a character at your table. That's really got poor charisma. You know, you might have a bunch of suave salesmen or something that are in your game. And what does that mean that, that they they always succeed, um, just based on smooth talk or, or, uh, I don't know. Um, I think maybe it sounds like as the, the post goes on, it's not just, they don't like ability checks. They just really don't like ability scores or they, they mentioned several times just liking ability scores to be just a base, you know, intelligence broken down to just giving you 10% XP, increase and you know affecting your languages or, or whatever but um i don't know um for me abilities scores ability checks it gives me freedom to improvise as a, as a dm you know um when, when to make rulings but you take that away and you don't have any kind of chance of, of failure you know you, you, people can just kind of um, talk their way into any situation or, you know, an example would be, or, you know, you've got a, a wizard with five strength and then they say uh, that they're going to climb this, you know, make this difficult climb up a ledge or something, you know, and it's like, or cr- climb, you know, pull themselves up this rope and, you know, say, well, you know, I, I'm going to grab the rope really tight and wrap my legs around it and, <laughs> and really shimmy up it. It's like, well, okay, great. You know, I don't know. To me, just because a wizard, a player playing a wizard can can explain how they're going to climb the rope, uh, that doesn't help them when they've got, you know, terrible strength. They probably couldn't do three push-ups, you know. Um, another thing I was thinking about, too, with the charisma, you know, if you got a low charisma score, it's not to say you can't say everything that you want to say as a player. It's just that if you fail to check, you know, you may have given this impassioned speech to rally the troops or something, but you know, you have this booger hanging out of your nose or something, you know? Um, but you know, they also mentioned in the post, you know, if we have a 16 dexterity, what that means you're an acrobat, you have 80% chance of succeeding everything, but, 
for me, I like to adjust the ability checks. You know, I'll put a, you know, based on the difficulty of the task. So they might have a bonus or a penalty or whatever. It's not just a necessarily a flat, um, role, but, um, you know, at the same time, I see where people are coming from, not wanting to be hamstrung by their scores. I think a solution is maybe just, you know, if, if, if that, you know, maybe 3d six in order isn't for you. If, um, if you don't like, you know, being stuck playing a low intelligence character or, um, you know, a weak, uh, a weakling or whatever, you know, maybe, uh, um, being able to assign your scores to taste or playing with an array or something like that, um, would be a better option. I don't know. Anyway, I was curious what some anchorites might think about this, whether you use ability checks, whether you really don't like ability checks. Um, uh, because I can see, I can see where they're coming from with it. But if you, if you take, I like that ability checks kind of round out and, and demonstrate the character's, uh, um, attributes. And, um, it seems like, um, JB's perspective is more, they, they have slight mechanic things like the 10% XP increase. But other than that, it's really all the player, but I just can't, it just doesn't make sense in my brain to say that someone with a three charisma, it's just, I'm just got to go by what the player does and completely ignore that score. I, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't compute with the way I'm just used to looking at it and playing. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm an ability check person. I love ability checks. That's one of, uh, something I'm, I use frequently. I mean, I don't lean on it like it's the, you know, the cornerstone of the game, but, uh, when situations, call for it. There's a chance of failure. Uh, I, I, I'll, I like to use it, but then with ability scores and vice versa, if someone's, uh, you know, you know, horribly, um, is a total weakling, I'm not going to say they're, they have any chance of, you know, you know, breaking their way through a door or something, or, um, it was, and if someone has a, you know, um, uh, we'll use the 18 dexterity example or whatever. If, if they try to just kind of balance on a, on a, on a ledge or something, I might not make them roll. Whereas if somebody, you know, if, if it was me up there <laughs> with froth dexterity, <laughs> I'd be calling for a check. So anyway, uh, it's, it's an interesting discussion. Um, and, and you know, with, with the tone JB's talking, he, he does mention that he was, you know, up at 2 a.m. ranting and rave, you know, ranting and raving about it. So, um, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt. Um, I enjoy JB's blog, the BX Black Razor blog, quite a bit, and agree with with JB on on more than I disagree. But um, so I just thought it was an interesting discussion. What do you think about ability checks? What do you think about player skill versus your your character's ability scores? Um, how does that work in your game? You agree, disagree, whatever. Um, if you do ability checks, do you do them just to, you know, like I'm doing them with a D20 roll under adjusting for difficulty, or I've seen some people using 3D6 or, some, you know, you might have a completely different take on it, a completely different system. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's what I thought I'd talk about. Like I say, uh, love to hear from anchorites or anybody just listening on here. If you want to message me, um, on the anchor app. Uh, we can put your, I'll put your calls on next week's 
or you can send me an email. Uh, I'll get all that information in the outro. All right, so that's the show for this week. <clears throat> Struggled over the finish line a little bit, but I think we kept these. I kept this one under where it usually is. Uh, I think I lost steam. I don't know how I did on that last last piece there, but go read it, see what you think. If you like, I said, if you want to um, let me know what you think about ability checks. Send me a um, message on the Anchor app or email me, frostsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Don't forget that all these links are up on the Thought Eater blog, frostsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Uh, thanks, of course, to the folks backing me on Patreon. Appreciate y'all. Patreon.com forward slash Thought Eater. Only a buck a month if you want to support old froth. Next you'll hear from me is 5-Minute Friday. Logan. Get this dance floor hopping. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom.